today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The Lord gives you the grace to deal with it. And why? Because God is with us in it and will get us through it. He can't not. He's made us that promise. And God cannot break His promise. God has given us His Word. God cannot go back on His Word. It's impossible. It's inconsistent with who He is. He can't do it. What struggles are you currently facing? Do you trust that God will see you through? In today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us that God keeps His promises. He's trustworthy. God never breaks his promises to us. He's with you in every storm and season. He will remain by your side and will get you through this. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. When you trust the Lord in those terrifying trials, you will avoid needless pain and suffering in your lives. I think of that hymn of old, that classic hymn of old, what a friend we have in Jesus. Ah. Oh. Oh, what needless pain we bear because we don't carry everything to prayer. Wow. So, you ready? Verse 17. The Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house, days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah when the kingdom was split. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will whistle for the fly. You know, kind of like what we, I can't whistle for anything, but in other words, He's going to get the flies, you know, call them by whistling to them. That is in the farthest part of the rivers of Egypt. And for the bee that is in the land of Assyria of all places. I'm going to get them over here too. <laughs> How about that? They will come, and all of them will rest in the desolate valleys, and in the clefts of the rocks, and on all thorns, and in all pastures. In the same day, the Lord will shave with a hired razor, with those from beyond the river, with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the legs, and will also remove the beard. This is what Assyria would do. And we're not talking about going into your local, you know, barber and stylist, and they're very careful and give you a shave and a trim. You know what the Assyrians would do? They would take these blades and they would shave off all of their hair. It was a humiliation. Think King David. They did it to his servants. And they came back and they had shaven them completely to shame them, to just humiliate them and disgrace them. And David says, I'll take care of this. You guys just go over here to this retreat until all your hair grows back. I'll take care of it. And he did. <laughs> But that's what they would do, and that's what 
Isaiah is prophesying is going to happen, and it did happen. Verse 21, it shall be in that day that a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep. So it shall be from the abundance of milk they give that he will eat curds. For curds and honey everyone will eat who is left in the land. It shall happen in that day that wherever there could be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver, it will be for briars and thorns that will have basically taken over the desolate land now. With arrows, verse 24, and bows, men will come there, because all the land will become briars and thorns. And to any hill which could be dug with the hoe, you will not go there for fear, interesting, of briars and thorns, but it will become a range for oxen and a place for sheep to roam. And this is exactly, precisely what would happen when they were taken into captivity. And none of it needed to happen. Had Ahaz but humbled himself before the Lord, in obedience to the Lord, trusting in the Lord, this would have read very differently. Well, if you'll kindly allow me to, I want to end with a list of what I'll call five fast facts on fear. Pretty clever, isn't it? Yeah, I came up with that. Actually, I didn't really, I think the Lord just kind of put it on my heart to share with you with the hopes of encouraging you. A lot of this comes from my own experience over the years and how the Lord has really been gracious to me and merciful to me the things that He's taught me about fear. And I want to share those with you, starting with number one. Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. Do you know, and there are studies to bear this out, that most of what we worry and fear about never even happens? I know I've shared this in the past. This is probably as good of a time as any to share it again. The year was 1995. I was in business. I had just started a business about three years prior. And I was closing out my year and doing my books and getting ready for the new year and kind of doing some projections. And part of that process was to look over my prayer journal, my prayer list for that year. And so I'm going through my prayer list. Have you ever done this? And you're looking at what you prayed for. And you look at that and you go, you almost find yourself, Lord, I'm sorry, I prayed for them. What was I thinking? You weren't. I was worried about that. I mean, I'm petitioning the throne about that. I mean, I lost sleep over that. And then it's almost like a, a righteous anger sets in when you realize it didn't even happen. Those things that do happen, by the way, very small percentage. I mean, we're talking about like 90% of that which we worry about and fear will happen, does not happen. Now, some of you who are prone to this are going, okay, let's talk about the other 10% because, you know, okay, I'm, I'm fine with that, but what about the 10% that does happen? That's why I'm so worried. You ready for this? And you're going to bear witness with this. 
the Lord gives you the grace to deal with it. And why? Because God is with us in it and will get us through it. He can't not. He's made us that promise. And God cannot break His promise. God has given us His Word. God cannot go back on His Word. It's impossible. It's inconsistent with who He is. He can't do it. Sorry if I'm yelling. I just, this is a very passionate thing for me. I know this is, welcome to my world. Man, if I could get back all those nights that I was tossing and turning and freaking out and praying and listening to worship music and listening to Bible studies and I oh, I know how I'll go back to sleep. I'll just read the Bible. You know how that is, right? Oh, it doesn't take very long. You start reading the Bible and your eyelids are like all of a sudden just out of nowhere. I mean, you're wide awake before. Start reading the Bible. Those eyelids, you can't even keep them open. Well, the fear was so great that even that didn't work. Uh, Let me just share one thing real quick with you. There were times in my life, again, I'm being very open with you. I hope it's not too uncomfortable for you. But there were times in my life when I was so gripped with fear that I would have my Bible open and I was weeping, praying, fasting, and then I would read a verse, and that would just get me through the next 10 minutes. And then I had a little peace, a little calm, and then here it comes back again. I go right back to the Word, and then I would just be calmed. I would go back to prayer. Sometimes I would combine the two. I would pray the verse, particularly in the Psalms. You ever done that? It's a very good thing to do. Pray the Word. You take a psalm and you turn it into a prayer, and you cry out to the Lord. And that would get me through for about another 20 minutes. And then over a period of time, just the intervals got greater and greater. And then finally there was a breakthrough where, I mean, you keep praying. How long do you pray? Until the peace comes in that peace that surpasses human understanding that the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. Number two, fear is unnecessary. I've heard it said like this, one minute spent in fear is one minute wasted. You can't get that back. You know what's been said of worry and the same thing goes for fear? It's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Isn't it true that when you worry and fret and fear, you think like you're doing something, you're doing nothing. I'll tell you what you are doing. You're destroying yourself from the inside out, physically, psychologically. They have statistics and research now that has proven that worry and fear and anxiety affects the digestive system, certainly the cardiovascular system, the nervous system. It affects (laughs) your hair, (laughs) your teeth, every part of your body. When you worry, it affects you physically. It can destroy your health physically. 
Number three, fear is dangerous. Let me expound on this one. It's dangerous because you're prone to make decisions in the moment of fear that you would not otherwise make. And we, to our own peril, like with Ahaz, don't be too quick to say, what a wicked, evil king. No, there's an Ahaz in all of us. And we do err greatly when, like Ahaz, instead of trusting God, we take matters into our own hands. I mean, we want to do something about it, throw money at it, call Assyria about it, but we don't call upon the Lord in it. And to do so is to our own peril. And especially men. Can I just talk to you guys just for a second here on this one? Can we talk? (laughs) We need to talk. Because we got to fix it, right? We're men. I'll take care of it. I got this. I got this under control. No, you don't. No, but I'm going to do this and that. And okay, so we're going to maneuver and strategize and, you know, plan. And oh, okay, Ahaz. How's that working out for you? This was a, in all fairness, it was a brilliant strategy and it worked. But that's the problem. It was his strategy not the Lord's. This is what he planned. He put his trust in his own savvy, his own strategy, and not in the Lord. Number four. This is a biggie. They all are, but stay with me on this one. Fear is demonic. Here's how I get there. We know this to be true. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. But we need to flip that around. The devil has given us a spirit of fear. Do you know why? Because he knows that if he can get us in the grips of fear, we will not trust the Lord. We will not believe the promises of God. We will not believe the Word of God. And he's all about that, by the way is to put doubt in our hearts, plant that seed of doubt that will germinate and sprout in our minds. God's not going to get you out of this. You're on your own, kid. You better come up with a plan, because this won't end well if you don't. God's not going to get you. Come on. It's God's fault that you're in this position in the first place. Well, that sounds like the garden with the serpent to Eve. Half God said, come on, who are you kidding? The devil is a liar, the father of lies, and fear is demonic. And that's why, because Satan knows he's got you when he's got you in fear. And lastly, number five, fear is a sin. I wanted to end with this one for this reason. This is a good thing. It is. You just said fear is a sin. It is. But here's the good news. 
If it's a sin, and it is, the good news is, is that God forgives sin. And not only does He forgive sin, He delivers us from all of our fears, if we would but confess it as such. But we don't. We don't see fear as a sin. We don't see worry as a sin. Because it's a sin against God because of our distrust of God. It's an offense to God. Think about it as a parent with your children. How offended are you? How disrespected are you when your children don't believe you, don't trust you? I mean, that, they're sinning against you. How much more our Heavenly Father? Have you ever thought of it like that? That fear is a sin against God? But as soon as we acknowledge it and confess it and bring it where it belongs, to the cross, it was paid for. And 1 John 1, 9, if we would but confess our sins, that's all we have to do, just confess. He'll do two things. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, deliver us from that sin, if we would but confess. I have to confess that one of the biggest breakthroughs for me in this area in my life that really brought about the victory in my life. And I am walking in victory. I want you to know that by the grace of God. <laughs> Was when I acknowledged it, Lord, how must I grieve your heart when I do this? I think about Jesus and I'll end with this. Did I say one last thing yet? I haven't. So this is the last thing I hear. I think about Jesus in Matthew 6. Oh, I would have loved to have been there. We've been to the site, those of you that have been to Israel with us, there on the side of what we affectionately refer to as the Mount of Beatitudes, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Oh, in the springtime, man, the flowers, it's so beautiful. And here's Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount, <laughs> as we call it. And he uses the birds in the air and the flowers in the field as object lessons to teach his disciples that that flower is not as valuable as you are. That flower, you see it here today, tomorrow it's gone, you know. And yet your heavenly Father clothes that flower so beautifully, splendidly, spectacular, more so than Solomon in all of his splendor, that flower. How much more is he going to take care of you? And then how about that bird? And it's kind of humorous. I know God has a sense of humor. I'm reminded of that every day when I look in the mirror. It's just like, God, you got a sense of humor. But it's almost like a humorous in a sanctified way, he's saying, you guys, have you ever seen a bird by getting worms and packing them into a barn to hedge against the future because they're worried about next month's worm rent? Again, I know that's a silly way to say it, but that's basically what he was saying. Look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? 
Why are you worried? Why are you in such fear? What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? <laughs> Look at the flower. Beautiful color. Yeah, that's not my color. I wore that last week. What am I going to wear? I don't know. The birds of the air. What? How am I going to make this month's bills? I think the bird's pretty well taken care of. How much more is he going to take care of you? Do not be afraid. Okay, one last thing. This is the last, last thing. Now listen to me. I want to encourage you and leave you with this. How about Joshua? Just read Joshua chapter 1 tonight. You can read that before you go to bed. Don't read 2 Kings 16. Joshua 1, you can. So many times. I mean, he's, he's replacing Moses. Them are some very big sandals to fill. Right? And he is so afraid. And what does God say to him? Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. I think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, wow, what a guy, right? You know, in Acts chapter 27, man, I'm really pushing my memory envelope tonight, but he's in that storm. Not his first rodeo, by the way. I mean, he's a pro at this. He has a PhD in shipwrecks. Here he is on this ship. That's it. And there's one very interesting detail in the account. It says, Luke writes by the Holy Spirit, Luke was there with him, we had all lost hope. We? That means Paul. Yeah, he said, this is it. This is how it ends. I ain't going to make it out of this one. And an angel of the Lord appears to Paul. And what does he say to Paul? Do not be afraid. Paul! How about the disciples? How many times? Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. What's my point? My point is this. If you're full of fear, you're in good company. Many men and women mightily used of God that came before you had those times in their lives where they were so full of fear, but God. Do not be afraid. Trust the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Lord, thank you for your word. It's your word. Your promise to us. You don't only tell us not to be afraid, you tell us why. And it's because of who you are and your word to us. Lord, I pray for anyone tonight that's fearful, worried about what's going to happen, what's coming, especially with everything that's happening in the world today. Lord, I just pray that you'll reveal yourself in a fresh way, in a new way, in a real way to them. Just your goodness. And give them that peace. Settle their hearts. You've done that in my life. And I could never, this side of glory, ever thank you enough for what you've done in those times when I've been so fearful. So Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospels mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 